Welcome to Words of the Wise, an introduction to the Book of Proverbs by Dr. Jacques B. Ducan. Edited for audio by the Ambassador Group. Living by Faith The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Proverbs 29.25, New King James Version So many voices call to us from so many directions. How do you know what is right and what is wrong? The answer is found in God and His written revelation. We must learn to rely on God and to obey His law. The rest then will follow by itself. Jesus told us this when He said to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all that we need will be supplied. His words are recorded in Matthew 6, verse 33 in the New King James Version. We are to make trusting and following God our first priority. Otherwise, we will make something else that priority, which is idolatry, pure and simple. We can learn to trust God only by living a life of faith. The Christian walk is just that, a walk. We have to make the choices to do the things that the Lord has told us to do, and then leave the consequences to Him. the law. Out of 13 occurrences of the word Torah, law, or teaching in the book of Proverbs, four are in Proverbs 28, twice in verse 4, and also verses 7 and 9. Although this use in Proverbs applies normally to the teaching of the wise man, indicated in Proverbs 13:14, in the Israelite tradition the word has a spiritual connotation and refers to divine revelation as attested in the book of Proverbs itself. Proverbs 29:18 Let's listen to Proverbs 28 verses 4, 7 and 9. What do these verses tell us about the importance of the law in how we live? Verse 4 says, They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Verse 7 says, Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of righteous men shameth his father. And verse 9 says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. What made the people of Israel different from other nations was not so much their way of thinking, or even their spiritual and abstract theological views. It was their concrete choices in life about, among other things, food, rest, the natural environment, and their relationships with neighbors and family that made them holy or set apart from all the other nations. And ideally, those choices were to center on the law and the principles found in it. After all, we humans cannot be wise by ourselves. We can't always even distinguish between good and evil. 1 Kings 3.9 So, we need the divine law to help us acquire discernment. In other words, the acquisition of wisdom does not depend on intellectual or spiritual exercises. It is essentially related to obedience to a law that lies outside ourselves, our culture, our personal psychology, and our desires. 
This law is, of course, God's eternal law, and to follow that law is indeed an act of faith. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God, revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, The just shall live by faith. Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. Take a few moments for reflection. What troubles and problems have you been spared because you have made a commitment by faith to keep God's law? Can you imagine how different your life would be were you not committed to keeping God's law? No matter how crucial it is to a life of faith, the law, the Torah, is not itself the source of life. On the contrary, the law points out sin, and sin leads to death. Romans 7 verses 7 through 13 says this, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me, by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. What makes the Torah effective is that it comes from God. Apart from God, the Torah would be a legalistic creed, that has nothing to do with his original intention. A life of obedience to the law of God is related to a life with God. The Torah does not replace God. It is just a teacher that, according to Paul's analogy, leads the students to their master. That is what Galatians 3 verse 24 says. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Let's hear Galatians 3.24 in context, which is Galatians 3 verses 21 through 27. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster, to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God, by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. 
How does the law point us to Jesus so that we can indeed be justified by faith? How would you explain your answer? The law depicts a perfect set of do's and don'ts, mirroring and reflecting God's character. And because we can never become right with God by keeping his set of standards, consistently being perfectly loving and worshiping God, perfectly motivated, perfectly obedient, perfectly emotionally balanced, perfectly pure in our thoughts and actions, etc., etc., there's no way that we present ourselves with the acceptable credentials or a resume to prove our track record of worthiness to become a friend of, let alone a child of God, part of his family, because on our own, our understanding of obedience is so skewed. So God, in his merciful love for us, his own creatures by designed creation, accomplishes an amazing rescue mission which cost him his life and an aspect of his nature to reconcile us to himself. The law raises the bar on God-likeness with no compromises. While God keeps his character description, the law, he also provided a substitute and mentor whom could make it possible to grow towards those experiences as adopted children of the lawgiver to enjoy the nurturing, growth-enhancing relationship with Jesus. Wow! Who would have been that patient? Would you call that wisdom? The book of Proverbs is not just a book of wisdom. It is, first of all, a book about the God who has revealed wisdom. Seeking wisdom by obeying the law will draw us nearer to the Lord and to the salvation he freely offers us by faith in Jesus. Listening to Proverbs 28, verse 5, what do you hear is the key for us to understand all things? Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. The word understand is used twice in verse 5, just as the word law is in verse 4. The two verses are related, keeping the law, verse 4, and seeking the Lord, verse 5, belong together. The scope of this activity, however, is not just knowing and doing what is right. Verse 5 in the New King James Version translates the word right as justice. This understanding concerns all simply because it derives from the God of all. For ancient Israel, knowledge of all things was not separated from religious experience. Faith was closely tied to intelligence and rational understanding. It was inconceivable to have faith without thinking or thinking without faith because God was the foundation of both domains. Here are two questions. In your opinion, why is faith in God such a rational position to hold? Again, in your opinion, is it more illogical and irrational to reject God or to believe in Him? What is your logic and reasoning? For the rich. 1 John 2, 
verses 15 through 17 include a warning. What are we being warned against, and how can you protect yourself from the danger these verses talk about? 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17 say, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth for ever. Though the idea of what it means to be rich varies greatly, the book of Proverbs comes with some instructions on how to get rich, and then how to deal with your riches once you get them. Here are four points. Number one, do not get rich at the expense of the poor. Proverbs 28 verse 8. Your wealth is not justified if you obtain it at the expense of the poor. As we have already seen, the Bible speaks very strongly against those who exploit the poor for their own gain. Number two, give to the poor. Proverbs 28, 27. In contrast to the greedy, literally broad of soul or appetite, of Proverbs 28, verse 25 in the NIV, the person who is generous to the poor will be blessed. Number three, work hard. Proverbs 28.19 Wealth should not come as the result of stealing or by chance, but as a reward for our hard work. What is obtained depends on the quality of our labor. If we are rich, we should deserve it. Number four. Do not try to get rich fast. Proverbs 28 verse 20 and 22 Our Proverbs present two potential scenarios. First scenario. When we close an eye to some dishonest action, and as a result become complicit in that action, or when we are so eager to enjoy the wealth of our parents that we rob them of what they need to live now. Proverbs 28:24. Even worse, those who do those things can justify the wrong deeds in their own minds until they convince themselves that they have done nothing wrong. Therefore, they say, it is no transgression. New King James Version. Money is a very powerful force in this world, which is why the Bible talks a lot about it. If, like pretty much everyone else, you desire money, how can you make sure that you are not falling into the trap of what Mark 4.19 tells us that Jesus called the deceitfulness of riches? for the poor. Proverbs 29 verse 13 says, The poor and the oppressor have this in common. The Lord gives sight to the eyes of both. What is being discussed here? The poor and the rich are equal. Proverbs 29:13, New King James Version. The image of light used in this proverb places this issue in perspective of creation. Both the rich and the poor 
have been created by God. Proverbs 22, verse 2, in the New King James Version says, The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. They both enjoy the gift of life, and the sun shines upon both. Just as the rich have been warned about how they treat the poor, the poor are to love even their oppressors, which could, in some cases, be the rich. Listen to what Matthew 5, verses 44 and 45 say. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Here is a reference to how sometimes the poor treat each other. Proverbs 28 verse 3 What message do you hear? A poor man that oppresseth the poor is like a sweeping rain which leaveth no food. The poor have the same duties as the rich. Poverty should not be an excuse for iniquity. The fact that you may have been oppressed does not give you license to oppress others. Jesus' parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18, verses 22 through 35, who oppresses the one poorer than himself, shows that this reaction, although unexpected on the part of the poor, whom one might think would be more sympathetic to other poor people, is not unusual. In Proverbs 28.3, the image of the rain, which usually is a blessing, turns out to be a destructive torrent. This imagery illustrates the abnormality of that behavior and the disappointment it brings. In Proverbs 28 verse 3, the image of the rain, which usually is a blessing, turns out to be a destructive torrent. This imagery illustrates the abnormality of that behavior and the disappointment it brings. Let's consider another proverb. What is the message of Proverbs 28 verse 6? Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. The righteous poor are better than the wicked rich, according to traditional wisdom. The righteous person is not supposed to be poor, for as Proverbs 24 verse 34 says, poverty is supposedly the just punishment for the lazy. Yet the reality of life is more complex. The poor may be the victims of injustice or of circumstances beyond their control. This can often be the case. Nevertheless, the scale of values defended by the book of Proverbs is clear and unambiguous. Righteousness is more important than riches, and success is not a foolproof indicator of righteousness. What can you do when you are tempted to compromise your values for material gain? How can you protect yourself from doing something like this? Loving the truth. Of all the things we could teach our children, our students, or anyone who is open to learning from us, perhaps the most important lesson can be found in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 10, as Paul, who is writing about the lost, says that they receive not the love of the truth. 
Of course, because Jesus is the truth. Teaching others to love truth is teaching them to love Jesus. And what else really matters? Whatever line of investigation we pursue, with a sincere purpose to arrive at truth, we are brought in touch with the unseen, mighty intelligence that is working in and through all. The mind of man is brought into communion with the mind of God, the finite with the infinite. The effect of such communion on body and mind and soul is beyond estimate. Ellen G. White penned those words in her book entitled Education, page 14. Let's explore two similar Proverbs. Proverbs 29.15 and Proverbs 29.19 A servant will not be corrected by words, for though he understand, he will not answer. What important principle did you detect? Not just in education, but in daily life. Did you sense quiet humility, understanding the situation, yet not speaking assertively to the master? It might be wise not to always voice our assessments, opinions, and to be the de facto problem solver. Though our example is important, especially with those whom we can't reprove or punish, in some cases, more is needed. This is especially true with our children. At times, children need to be punished in order to be brought into line. Our natures are all fallen and corrupt, and with this includes even those adorable little beings whom we love, our children. We don't do our children or ourselves any favors by letting them do whatever they want. Children, in fact, not only need discipline, they want it. They need to know that boundaries exist and that they need to stay within them. A mother who believes that she has to respect her children's freedom and lets them do whatever they want without ever saying no to them, Proverbs 19.15 says her inaction to discipline will ultimately bring shame to herself and no doubt sorrow to the children, if not now, then certainly when the children become adults. What are some of the lessons you learned as a child that have stuck with you as an adult? How has that knowledge helped make your life better now? Let's continue exploring. Let's consider some additional inspiration, hear of the philosophical journey of a famous philosopher, and then ask some introspective questions. Here is our first of two inspired quotes. The laws of God have their foundation in the most immutable rectitude and are so framed that they will promote the happiness of those who keep them. Religion brings man into personal relation with God, but not exclusively, for the principles of heaven are to be lived out that they may help and bless humanity. The book is entitled Sons and Daughters of God, written by Ellen G. White. Those words are on page 267. 
She also penned these thoughts, found in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 5, on pages 325 and 326. False ideas and a foolish, misdirected affection have nurtured traits which have made the children unlovely and unhappy, have embittered the lives of the parents, and have extended their baleful influence from generation to generation. Any child that is permitted to have his own way will dishonor God and bring his father and mother to shame. By neglecting their duty and indulging their children in wrong, parents close to them the gates of the city of God. Russian author Leo Tolstoy, though raised in a Christian home, abandoned his faith for many years. When older, he faced a crisis. What did life mean? Especially a life that will certainly end in death. Though he sought answers in all areas of knowledge, he found none there. He eventually realized that the only logical answer to the question of life and its meaning had to be found in faith, in something that went beyond logic itself. That is, his logic told him to step beyond logic, into the world of faith, in order to get answers to the meaning of life. Why, then, is faith in Jesus really the most logical choice we can make regarding the meaning and purpose of life? What is your understanding of what it means to love the truth? How do you love the truth? To love truth, of course, would mean that we would have to know it first. How do we come to know truth? And how can we be sure that we don't allow anything to stand in the way of our loving truth above all else? ambassadorgroup.org This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.